Any Gamers podcast number 58, recorded on Sunday, March 27th, 2016. Also known as Evan Minto, that's me, versus David Estrella, that's you. <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Oh, Minto v. Ooh. Estrella, Dawn of Justice. That's right. Uh, I We made a joke about that last episode, but uh, I mentioned it this time because I just got back from seeing Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Whoever and wins, oh, we lose. Whoever wins, we lose. Indeed, uh, this is the real Alien versus Predator. It was so bad, dude. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it might be the worst superhero movie I've seen, and I know there are really bad ones that I haven't seen. I actually haven't seen like the other Ben Affleck superhero movie. I haven't seen Daredevil, but oh, it's like a whole bunch of mishmash ideas that never really work at all, and the movie just basically is a bunch of people saying like, well, what if Superman and Batman fought? Because that's what the movie was called. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's not really much of a reason other than that. And you're just dying to go see it again. Uh, no, I mean, I'll probably, I kind of want to see it again, but not pay for it. Uh, I did specifically, I knew it was going to be bad and I went to see it anyway. Not in the, uh, I, I knew I was going to see it. I'm, I was not like, an, I wasn't outraged about the movie. You know, people who are like mm-hmm. this, this movie shouldn't exist. I'm going to see it. Like, no, I was, I wanted to see it. Cause I, I had, I knew it was going to be a train wreck, but a funny right. train wreck. Right. And I do, I do love how I, I noticed that you've selected a Marvel shirt to wear. That is correct. To the Batman V Superman movie. That was my friend Bill's idea. He, he, he watched it two days in a row. He watched it yesterday and he posted a picture on Facebook with like an X-Men shirt. And so I, I went with him today to see it like, me for the first time right. for the second time and i was like oh, i'm gonna copy that i'm gonna wear like a marvel shirt yeah. and i show up and he's, he's wearing another x-men shirt <laughs> for the second day oh whatever all the superhero garbage is the same anyway it's the same except for maybe maybe civil war will be good who knows <sighs> you kidding me <laughs> anyway uh what we're really saying is that all cartoons are the same be and they the same Western garbage. superheroes or japanese cartoons so let's get into talking about anime and manga and video games the uh the stuff that we usually talk about for better or for mostly worse right my first my first thing that i think we is kind of interesting and it's it's kind of news i guess is uh you heard about this thing open tunes david you know i heard about it and i was excited for maybe all of five seconds before i realized wait i'm (laughs) never gonna have the time to really dive into this and learn it in and out and actually master my craft through this thing is it any good uh i used it a little bit today in the morning before i went to go gouge my eyes out at a movie theater so open tunes for context is a uh, piece of software used at some animation studios, including Studio Ghibli, which is why it's most relevant for an anime podcast. But I think it's also used for, uh, at least in some part of the production line on Futurama and uh, a couple of other series. So it's animation software that is used for, I think, in some cases used for drawing the frames themselves in a digital animation pipeline. In other cases used exclusively for like compositing. I think Ghibli uses it for compositing because all their keyframes are drawn on paper, like most anime studios. But they scanned things in. I think they made their own software uh, or modified some software specifically for like the scanning pipeline for scanning in paper because that's like the main way they do things. And uh, Duango, the company that owns it, which is also the company that's funding Animator Expo, uh, as a matter of fact. So they 
made the software open source. It's pretty cool. It's kind of a big deal. It's now available and people can uh, can download it and start using it for free. And also open source developers can take it and, you know, fork the project and build off of it and make their own modifications to it. They can add features to it, whatever. It's out in the community now. Uh, and it's been kind of a big conversation. Lots of artists and just, you know, hobbyists and stuff are picking it up for free and trying it out. And there's a little bit of a community forming around it now. But I did try to use it. And <laughs> you ever use Blender, David? How I know open source is it? It's not open. I mean, like, it's funny because... On a scale it, of it, 1 to 10, like how open source does it feel? It didn't start as an open source project, but it feels really open source. <laughs> like it crashed on me for no reason. It doesn't work with Wacom tablets. Like oh, no. the industry wait. standard tablet that you should be using. <laughs> You're, wait, Really? Okay, so I mean, obviously, the Wacom there's, tablet hooks into be your a workaround, right? The Wacom tablet hooks into your operating system most of the time, right? So you don't necessarily need specific application support. Yeah. So the Wacom works well enough, except it's got like weird bugs in Mac OS X when using a Wacom tablet uh-huh. with the software. Oh. So it probably works on Windows, which is why like it's uh. you know people using Windows maybe like professionally don't have an issue with it, but it doesn't work very well on Mac. It feels like an open source project, which which sucks because like it's that that's why I was hoping it would be cool to have something that's not that that's like, you know, opened up for free, but is a professional software. But it's it's pretty janky. There is a user manual that they posted online. But here's the best part. It's in Japanese. They, well, there's a project for all you all you kids out there to oh, yeah. translate the actual manual for this thing. Give me a fan sub of the manual for OpenTunes. <laughs> <laughs> also, here's a here's a really good uh, headline on their page: Open Source Animation Production Software to Develop and Create All Together. Oh, that's cute. What is OpenTunes? This is software for producing a 2D animation. <laughs> it's it's very much. Uh, English, or maybe I mean it's. I guess it's made by an Italian software company, so maybe it's like it Italian, Italian English. Maybe it's a bad Japanese translation from? from Italian. I I don't know. Like I think Duango <laughs> is somewhat in charge of it. I think it maybe Duango like commissioned it from an Italian software company or bought it out from an Italian uh... software company. I think it's originally Italian though, in some form. But Duango is are the ones who decided to make it open source. Man, that uh, sounds like a lot of work to try to get through just to learn this thing. Yeah, I mean, you're on Windows, so maybe it'll work better. But it is kind of cool because I haven't really used professional 2D animation software before. Uh, we both use Maya, and I've, I've tried to use Blender, which is, like, really confusing and weird. Uh, they reverse the, the click, the right and left click yeah. for anybody <laughs> listening who knows this stuff. Uh, this is basically just David and I doing inside animation baseball. But anyway... <laughs> It's got uh, an interface for X sheets and stuff, which is kind of cool. So it's not just like s- simple flipbook stuff, right? It's designed for for uh, industrial production where you've got a whole bunch of different layers and different like, you know, potentially different artists feeding into this pipeline. So that means, you know, like like Maya or something else, it's going to take some time to learn. You got to like dig into it and read on, some manuals. On top of all the jankiness. Right, as well. right. Uh, so anyway, I would recommend people, you know, if you're interested in animation, Give it a try. Probably want to wait till the manual is uh, is translated by people because uh, the user community is helpful, but probably not helpful enough. And I would also probably recommend that people just get some other software that is uh, also open source and easier to use. I use Pencil, which is 
very open source in that it is really, really buggy. It has features that are like there, like they're they're listed and then you use them and it it just it crashes. It's like there's a button for importing audio and they have it well documented that importing audio crashes the app. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Hitting the button at all just doesn't work. There's not like it oh it breaks with MP3s. No, it just breaks. It they put a button in that breaks the app. Several, several buttons actually. <laughs> but anyway, I'd, I you know, if people are interested, I'd, I'd recommend trying that stuff out. Um that's enough about animation stuff though because I feel like there's probably like two people who care about that and it's That's us. me and you. It's just you and me. Yeah, we're already recording the show. <laughs> uh, so, so David, I heard you saw a movie. I heard you saw a uh, The Beauty and the Beast, was it? Was it the, uh, the uh, Boy versus Beast, Dawn of Justice? Yeah, Boy versus Beast, Dawn of Justice was... It's definitely Hosoda's worst film yet. Yeah, I've, I've heard The Boy and the Beast is not, not that good. Um, but here, I mean, but by hosted standards, um, yeah. So the boy and the beast isn't excellent. It's definitely good. It's definitely watchable, consumable, or whatever your standard is for this sort of thing. It's definitely very nicely animated. But my experience with the boy and the beast was sitting in this theater, and initially, initially the movie starts out in Shibuya. And you've got this really immaculately rendered depiction of the Starbucks in Shibuya. And everybody points out, like, oh, this is crazy. There's a Starbucks in Japan. So I'm, I'm with that kind of audience. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they keep on showing the Starbucks. And I'm thinking, like, wait, wait a minute. This is... I, I, I get, like, this premonition that something is wrong because the starbucks keeps on coming up in the background art anytime that they're in the city and i'm thinking is this really the sort of like interesting things that hosted a shows in his movies so i mean i have that like this like nagging feeling that you know maybe something is kind of off and then the movie progresses the boy encounters the beast and the whole thing is that these two guys are absolute losers that band together because the only way they can really strive for anything in life is to just kind of join forces. Even though they they, they, really, they don't get along, uh, the boy is only a human, so when the beast is trying to teach him how to swing a sword around, the boy doesn't understand because to the beast, his natural strength just comes to him. And he can do all like the whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And that's actually like one of the best parts in the movie. Actually, that whole sequence when he's a boy and he's actually trying to learn, trying to toughen up with this, uh, this beast. And the beast himself is starting to just learn how to... He, he's got a serious problem with uh, just um, society in general. The whole, the whole thing about the movie is that he, the beast is kind of also like the underdog because there's another, there, there's another uh, beast. I don't remember what his name is, but he's like, you know, he's like the good guy that everybody in this beast city loves. And oh yeah, the movie is very furry. I don't know. Yeah. Did you? I haven't seen it, but. Did you hear it? I mean, did you hear about it though? Is, is it anime Zootopia? Basically, but that's always been hosted as thing, hasn't it? Always? I mean. 
I guess, yeah, it, it, the girl who left through time didn't have it, but everything since then, I think, has uh, has been a little furry. Yeah, well, I mean, in, the, in this case, Hosoda puts his, uh, his preferences on full display over here. You've got these massive crowds of just really uh, anthropomorphic... Uh, just say sexy. Just say it. S- not even sexy, but like actually, like yeah, kind of like sexy in like a bearish kind of way, because a lot of, oh man, the muscles on the beasts. <laughs> there's a lot of Please attention just like say put more. on. Please. There, there's there's a lot of attention just on like the physicality of the uh, of the characters themselves, and just the, the they actually like they get larger. They have like a final form where like the beasts just like really hulk out. Okay. <laughs> And this is getting weirder and weirder. Are you sure this is it, a family really, movie? It gets really sweaty too <laughs> when they're fighting. Um, so this movie's rated so yeah. R. Uh, yeah. It's like PG for de- depictions of furry <laughs> sex yeah. and violence. Well, you know, you know what? Those parts were at least interesting, but then there's a, this clear divide when the boy grows up and he's no longer a boy; he's a young man. So now you've got the young man and the beast. Yep, and. These this parts are actually really terrible because the young man leaves the beast world and he returns. He kind of falls through a crack because the whole thing is like he falls through a crack in Shibuya and ends up in the beast world. So this time he gets a little older, a little bit more, you know, young and hot and brooding. And he falls <laughs> through another crack and he ends up back in Shibuya. I was hoping you were going to say like he, end, he ends up in the beast world. And then he, like, falls through another crack, and now he's in the teen world. <laughs> it's yeah. just teens everywhere. Let me tell you, I was really, really hoping we would get out of the teen world and get back into the beast world, because this is the section that really just drags on. And yeah, this the, whole the, thing, teen, this... the teen world drags yeah, on. This... Yeah, that's yeah. It's called puberty. <sighs> it's, it sucks. It just Most, teens, yeah, and just they're, they're obnoxious forever. They are, they're so obnoxious, and it really took me out of the movie, because you had um, Wolf Children, which is not something that I can, like, really easily relate to. Like, you know, this single mom that goes out into the wilderness to find a life for her kids, that's not something that I really have a connection with um, from my own personal experiences, but that movie invested so much into it, watching it. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an effective movie. You don't need a personal connection with that character for for Wolf Children to work because it's just it's a sympathetic story about interesting people. Right. So when uh, the boy and the beast goes into the teen zone, you know, it's not even like it's recalling back like the experiences of being you know awkward and you know young and brooding all the time. It's just handled really poorly and not all that interesting and you know he's gonna go back into the beast world and kind of stop being uh being like this dumb kid but you know even then there's this really awful um kingdom hearts style plot about darkness in your heart because the kid's got some unresolved problems Uh. about uh his his parents uh yeah um i hate that like so many, and so many such, shows try to do, like they do that same thing. It's such an anime thing of like the darkness, and I guess it's like a children's story type thing in general. But it's like yeah. just personifying like negative feelings is always being like, oh, your heart is tainted by darkness. Like, 
you can cleanse it with the good stuff or something you're gonna love this evan because it's literally like he has a hole in his chest when he's looking in a mirror and this is like the thing that the beasts are afraid of the the humans are gonna unleash the darkness in their heart oh, and that's... wipe out the whole beast world. Hey, is this reminding you of familiar, anything? David. Oh my god! No wonder I didn't like this movie. <laughs> we will be doing an Undertale podcast in a little bit. We gotta, uh, I gotta play some Mother Three, and then then we will uh, we'll do that. David played Undertale though, so we're we're getting there. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I was gonna um, ask. So, so do, bought... do you think? That after time traveling for a little while, Mamoru Hosoda accidentally fell through a crack and has ended up in the Beast World, and he just can't escape. And all of these movies are him. They're, they're the man in the fortune cookie who writes the fortune that says "trapped in fortune cookie factory can't escape." I mean, Please I guess if you help. mean like, I guess if you mean like trapped in his uh, internet browser full of bookmarks to erotic beast uh, <laughs> doujinshi, yeah, sure. The Yif Children. Yeah. I'm in. Hey, man, that, that's a pure movie, man. You can't really make like that sort of joke. I mean, you can make it about Boy and the Beast because it's so obnoxiously like furry. But can, can we can we just call uh, based on your description? Can we call the Boy and the Beast uh, Wolf Teens? Wolf Teens. Is that accurate? Wolf Teens. Uh, wolf Tail. Uh, <laughs> wolf Tail. Wolf Tail is uh, pretty good. Under fur. Under fur. <laughs> because <laughs> some people are gonna get, want to get under that fur under oh fur. god <laughs> the thing is undertale is already under fur like yeah. it's already kind I'm of a furry just thing made a movie about it so go bottom line if you liked undertale go watch this movie okay well that's that's probably an effective recommendation oh, and if you like kingdom hearts definitely watch this movie because oh, oh my god oh, darkness in your heart boy. all over the place ah uh, well if you want grim stories about darkness in your heart uh, I'm I'm playing Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. A little late to the party, but you know it's uh, my friend Nate who lent me um, Tomb Raider. Also lent me this as a way to kind of like give me something to play on my PS4 because I was like I'm kind of behind. What are some games I should play? Uh, this is a a good game though. Do you hear anything about Shadow of Mordor, David? Um, other than that, it has Lord of the Rings inside of it. No. Uh, yeah, the Lord of the Rings is literally inside of it. Like he appears within. <laughs> The, the actual game. Lord of the, the Rings, actual like the, Lord of the Rings, like the the character that's actually like got his name on the book that never really shows up. Mister Lord, we call him Mister Lord, Mister Lord <laughs> of Rings, <laughs> Mister Lord, Son of Rings. No, but seriously, does the Lord show up? I mean, yeah, a Sauron is in it, uh, like sexy Sauron, like Sauron from when he was like a a dude who was oh. fair. As, as Tolkien would put it, when someone oh. is attractive. Uh, do they put the E at the end, like, after the R, when they say fair? No, no. Or is that a different not, kind of fair? No, no, no. That's not, like, an American-British thing. The word fair is still just F-A-I-R in uh, either okay. version. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, there are flashbacks to, to Sauron. Spoilers. This is kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Uh, basically, the story of the game is that you're this... Uh, I'm going to get to the spoiler. This, this is not the spoiler part, but the you're, you're like, a, you're a ranger uh, and it's pre Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, pre Hobbit also, I think, or post Hobbit. It's post Hobbit. It's after, after Sauron gets kicked out of uh Dol Guldur in, uh, in Mirkwood. Right. So he's like regrouping 
this is for anybody who knows their their Lord of the Rings lore. I don't know how many people care about this, but it's after the Hobbit, he gets kicked out of Mirkwood. He ends up back in Mordor and he starts building up his armies. Right. So this is the Rangers, the like Gondorians who uh, man the walls of Mordor and like keep watch. Uh, this guy has a, a video game is inflicted on him, which is to say that his his wife and son are killed. Oh, <laughs> it's just like the most generic video game plot. And he uh, he is also killed, but he gets brought back to life because he's his soul is like bonded to uh, the ghost of a really mean elf guy who helps him psychologically torture orcs and then also kill them in his quests for vengeance against the people who killed his family. Oh, it's really video gamey and like kind of just grim <laughs> trying to be super dark video game stuff. Uh, and you like this? I like the mechanics. I don't really like the story. And also, I, I'm a fan of, of Tolkien, right? And so it's it's always kind of cool to be just doing any sort of open world thing within that world. Though you only get to go to Mordor, which is definitely, if I had to rank the places I most want to go and most want to <laughs> hang out in Middle Earth, Mordor is at the bottom of the list. <laughs> it's the least interesting place in Middle Earth. And they try to fix that by having it be like, well, it's Sauron's not totally in power yet, so there's still some grass and stuff. <laughs> but there's nothing interesting. in it. You're just killing orcs the entire time. This makes it sound really bad, but I'll get to the good part. Anyway, the thing about Sauron is it turns out that the, the elf ghost who you're, who's helping you, you beat up the orcs, uh, after you go through some flashbacks, it turns out that he is... I should know his name. I'm forgetting his name. He's the guy who forged the rings, the elven rings. So he's like a big deal. The elven rings and the, or the, uh, whatever the rings for men and the rings for dwarves. And I think he might've in secret forged the elven rings, uh, didn't forge the one ring. Sauron did that himself. But anyway, he, the, the rings of power, right? Like the sort of defining power in middle earth. Like he, he's the one who forged them. So it's kind of, he's kind of a big deal. He's like a, a character who's actually in Tolkien's original lore, as opposed to the ranger character who's totally made up. Um, so that's cool. As someone who's into Lord of the Rings lore and stuff, right? Uh, but the the coolest part of the game is the Nemesis system, which I don't know if you heard anything about this. This was kind of like the big thing they were selling when they when they were talking up the game. Is the orcs are randomly generated? So there's like you have your grunt orcs, right, of different types, and it's kind of like a open world stealth plus brawler game, right? Where you've got it's like a kind of like an Assassin's Creed, right? Uh, you've got your your combat combos and parries and stuff, and you've also got stealth moves, and you've got like different types of enemies. So there's enemies that you like you need to stun them before you hit them. There's enemies who have shields, so you need to get behind them. All that sort of stuff, right? Uh, and there's alarms that can go off in these like stronghold areas. So the enemies are organized around captains, and then those captains work for war chiefs, and they have different levels of power. And they're they have randomly generated names and abilities. So they'll and those abilities can change. They can like gain strengths as they get more powerful. And so it'll be something like they're weak against fire, right? Or they they or conversely, it could be like they do more damage when when they're lit on fire. They get like enraged by fire, right? And they also have personality attributes that are attached to them. And they uh, they have a power structure that moves around as the game goes on. 
So they will like have rivalries with each other and then there will be events where they try to kill each other and you can interrupt those events and kill both of them, kill one of them or not kill either of them. And if they survive, if, if they kill the other one, they gain more power. If they survive an encounter with you, they gain, gain more power, right? And they kind of, to some degree, have like a memory of that, right? So like if you, they, they remember like certain variables about what, you know, your encounter with them. So if you attack them, but the them and all their grunts overpower you and you run away. If he runs into you the next time, he'll be like, you ran away last time, but I'm going to get you this time. Right. So it'll like, remember those little things about it and like creates this internal kind of procedural, um, series of interactions and, and like relationships that you have with these guys. <laughs> so it's wow. kind of cool. It's kind of like a really, really interesting scenario. Kind of like the story just writes itself. But yeah, I mean, it's procedural, right? So like the most interesting interactions <laughs> that come out of the game are not from the the story of the game, the like narrative that's set in stone and written for you. It's the, this is some of my favorite game stories are like this, right? The stories just come from what happens as you play the game. And uh, I mean, a good example of this is this guy who had a whole bunch of different like things that he was, you know, he was like, oh, you can't kill him. With, he's like invulnerable to stealth invulnerable to ranged like all these things and i'm like crap like i can't even get close to him and he's called tuka the unkillable which is like especially <laughs> frustrating <laughs> so i was trying to kill him because he was the he's like the captain who works for a war chief i'm trying to kill right and the war the uh captains are the bodyguards so if you try to kill a war chief the captains will show up and then they'll they'll fight you and the captains are like boss level enemies so you're fighting a boss who has like three other bosses working for him plus all the other enemies. So it gets very difficult if you're trying to kill the, the war chief. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to find Tuka and kill him. And I go to, to find him and he like, he kills me. Right. And I'm like, Oh, all right. I'll, and uh, you respawn and now he's more powerful and all the other orcs are more powerful since you respawned. And the respawning is like explained in game. The ghost keeps bringing you back to life. So when you respawn, it's not like a game, uh, conceit where it's like, just kidding. We'll rewind. It's actually time passes and you just, Reemerge, and now the orcs are stronger since you were gone why not just turn off the game and turn it back on it doesn't let you do that why not because it, it auto saves as soon as you die that's, that's, oh. the, whole point. that's the whole point <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for that no. okay now that's cool. it's cool right it forces you to like you, yeah. you, you it forces you to actually think about like wait i better get out of here i don't want this guy to get stronger like i would rather just or it's really i guess if you run away they get stronger but it but if you die everyone gets stronger right like the all the all the unresolved things like they, they've got all these events that make them stronger they succeed at all of those events if you don't intervene and so if you die it sort of like moves the clock forward and then they all get more powerful wait wait so can you can you actually just continuously die until you block yourself from progressing anywhere in the game I, i've heard that's possible kind of but i i think there's always ways to kind of like grind your way back up out of that uh there's definitely I've read some stories from people where they had built up like accidentally kind of let this orc get too strong. And now the orc was invulnerable to everything. And they were like super, super powerful. Uh, but but Tuka, the worst part about Tuka is that I got, actually got him. Right. And when I when I killed him the first time, this is a great example of like what this game does to you. It's like 
I finally like got up to him and like I think he had like regeneration so I had to like keep keep like uh all right I got him down to low health like but he ran away so I came after him again and like got him back down to low health and like finally finally killed him when I killed him I was like not so unkillable now huh like I said it to the screen (laughs) (laughs) oh that's embarrassing I know right but like it, it does that uh the best part is like I was going to kill another captain and then and you can sort of like uh you can go into this like the Batman, you know, the, the Batman games have the, it's a little bit like those games too. the uh, Arkham games. It's got the like detective mode. You can do that kind of thing. So you can like scope out enemies and you can and in that mode, you can pick out particular bosses. Right. And you see the captain and you zooms in and you're like, oh, there they are. And you identify them. Uh, I'm like trying to assassinate this other captain and I'm hiding in stealth and I'm like low health, just managed to avoid this guy. That I got him all to walk the other way and I'm like standing right behind him. So I'm like, oh, I'm about to sneak up on him. And I, I go into the, the detective mode type thing, whatever it's wraith mode or something. And I look around and there's another captain. I'm like, what? And I zoom in and look at him. and He's coming around from like my flank and it's Tuca. with like a bandaged up head. He came back to life. It's like, it's super good. My friend was telling me, so like this happens a lot in the game. Like it's a mechanic of the game, right? Is that like the, unless you completely chop their heads off, they will come back to life potentially with like bandages on or something. And then when they see you, they'll be like, ha ha ha, you thought I was gone, but I'm back. <laughs> uh, oh. It's, it's great. Like that, that stuff is so much fun. Uh, and you're just you spend a lot of time strategizing trying to like beat this particular boss and the interesting part is that no two bosses are the same right like your friend's experience is similar in some ways but not not exactly the same and so there's always some different combination of stuff where like not even just a single boss but with like a war chief right a war chief has their own set of randomly generated strengths and weaknesses but they'll also have their bodyguards who have different randomly set generated sets of strengths and weaknesses so taking down a war chief is like this crazy randomized thing where like how you decide to take down all three of these guys might be radically different from someone else you know you might choose to first light something on fire and then drops you know drop a trap on one of them and then sneak up behind the other one and all that stuff uh it's uh it's pretty cool <laughs> it's a fun game and this is ps4 because i think yeah and uh, actually... xbox one i think possible i, I think pc too because i did um i i'm still i'm still trying to do this whole thing where like i'm getting back into video games guys so i actually mm-hmm. went on amazon and looked at the ps3 games that were available and i think it's on ps3 oh maybe okay maybe i don't know it's like in like that weird space yeah. maybe where like they were just publishing games on everything and it was so it was so cheap it was like I don't know, like twelve dollars brand yeah, new or something. I mean, I don't know about how the PS3 version is, if there is one, but uh, but it's it's worth that money for sure yeah. if you can get it. It's like, yeah, it. I don't know. It, like, you'll come like, away with a lot of stories about it. You'll you'll have your own version of Tuka the Unkillable, who you'll just like. It'll be your rival. Yeah, like generally, like a lot of a lot of games, the market to just buy a new video game on something like the PS3. Like I've been gone for years. And coming back and it's just in, insane what i can get for maybe like 50 dollars yeah that i couldn't like have imagined before whenever all this stuff was new man i i don't 
I still have my, uh, I have the Metal Gear Solid Legacy Collection for PS3, but no PS3. Because I was living with Mitch, who had a PS3, <laughs> I, when, I, I, when I bought it, or when I got it for free from somebody, but I never got yeah. around to playing Metal Gear Solid 4 on it. And I remember asking if I could play Peace Walker on it, and like I think I asked you, like, just give me the Peace Walker disc, and then you're like, no, it's like, everything's the on whole the one thing. disc. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't, the PS4 isn't backwards compatible, so I can't play PS3 games on it. Ah. Yeah. Sucks. Yeah. Um... Well, are you playing, speaking of video games, are you playing Fire Emblem Fates? No. Do you have Fire Emblem Fates? Did you buy it? Um, probably, yeah, you know what? I think I made the decision to completely disengage from Fire Emblem no. until it becomes uh, something else other than what it is now. You don't want to, you can't accept the Fire Emblem anime, the anime that it's become? You know, it's more I, anime. I experienced, it's I more anime than game now. Twisted I and evil. These sort of things through it, the internet, and now, like now that I am on on the Twitter and I am observing all these people draw their fan arts of all their favorite pairings um, and just post little screen caps of all their favorite moments in the game, I realize that Fire Emblem now has way too much anime swag for me to really deal with. It's looking like Goku. It looks way too much like Goku, uh, a little bit too much like Vegeta, a little bit too much like Krillin. It's looking like Death Note right now. It's kind of um, looking like yeah. Case Closed. A, a, a lot like Case Closed. <laughs> uh, anime, anime, anime slag. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're right, though, right? Because people are just like people are posting a whole lot about it and they're just like, oh, man, this character's so cute. And it's like really, oh. I, like um, uh, I, I've definitely seen way more impure thoughts about oh, sure, uh, sure. the new Fire Emblem characters than like anything. Like, oh, they're so cute. I know, I know, but what I mean is that it's like it's a lot of just talking about them as if they were watching an anime more so than yeah. playing a game, which is right. Nobody really fine. talks about the game anymore. I guess it like that's fine. I don't want to begrudge right. people that, that except that, that tickles a certain uh, you know just thing that people need tickling i guess you know yeah it's what's interesting for me though is that the it, it's the mechanics of fire emblem that i that like attracted me to it and i i think the other stuff is good like i i like having yeah. you know awakenings characters were really likable and interesting and it was like it was fun to kind of see the support conversations and, and build them all up right but for me like what made that game addicting wasn't like hanging out with my anime buddies like no, it was it was because yeah. the game had this like reclassing kind of thing and and this you know the skill system and stuff where I was like collecting and trying oh, to you God, know yeah. craft these characters by combining all these different oh. abilities. Yeah, that's that's the only reason why I sunk so many embarrassing, unmentionable hours into the uh, Fire Emblem Awakening just because that whole the whole systems in place to develop the characters. That was my addiction yeah, yeah. into that game. The, uh, which they, they changed the reclassing in Fire Emblem Fates, which I'm playing now. I'm playing Birthright. I, in Crunchycast, I talked about this, but like Victoria is, is one of the anime players. You know, she's like, she doesn't even know the class names. Uh, she's just <laughs> playing for the anime characters. <laughs> which I'm like surprised that it's even possible to like, because even Birthright's not that easy. Like you need to be paying attention. They got baby mode now. I so guess, like, what like, does it matter? Even in baby mode, I don't think you can put a knight in front of a mage and be like, everything will be okay. 
No, everything like, will be okay because they like come back like immediately. That's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're in the baby ultimate mode. baby mode, you can have everybody die as long as you beat the the chapter and everybody will yeah. come back. Yeah. Anyway. It's like anime. Everybody comes back when they right. die. And that that's the most like Goku of all. That's looking yeah. like Goku. <laughs> How many times did Goku die in the original That's Dragon Ball Z? Right. Goku is the real Fire Emblem Fates character. Uh, when are we going to get Goku and Fire Emblem? Yeah, yeah. When, when so, oh my god. Man, they already oh, we put just made like a billion dollars right now. I mean, people, whatever. Like, just, I don't even have a joke about this, but I'm just thinking about the fact that people like for years were just like, uh, Martha and Roy, what, they're Smash Brothers characters, right? Because like they didn't, you know, like Fire yeah, Emblem the wasn't a thing here. No. Nah. Uh, but and then Goku is now in like Super Smash Brothers or whatever. I, I haven't really kept he's up. He's not, but he could be. I mean, he's been in video he, games before. All bets are off now. Bayonetta is in Smash Brothers. <laughs> so uh, anyway, the the reclassing actually, I didn't get to talk about this because Victoria doesn't, you know, doesn't really pay a ton, a ton of attention to the Fire Emblem mechanics, right? The like all the massive stuff baby, that you so, do. So yeah. like the reclassing in Fates. You don't have second seals anymore that like they don't work quite the same way. There's like a new thing called a heart seal or like a, a parallel seal, I think was the more sensible name, I think, in the Japanese version. Uh, I think unless maybe they're just maybe that's the name in conquest. I have no idea. So anyway, these these heart seals are like second seals in that they move you kind of sideways right to a new class uh, or, or in awakening. They could like a second seal would would reclass you either to a, a sort of parallel class or could reclass you back down to a base class right and you start at level one and so you could like kind of restart your your leveling and then gain a bunch of new stats and a bunch of new skills uh in in fates when you reclass you keep your level if you if you reclass sideways if you don't if you're not um promoting so if i'm a, if i'm a samurai which is like a myrmidon or whatever however you say that the sword fighter right if i'm a, a samurai and i reclass to an archer and i'm level 10 i i reclass to a level 10 archer which means that like i've still got a level cap of 20 so if i reclass at level 19 i only have one level that i can gain as an archer <laughs> before i hit the level cap so i'm not i'm not making too much sense out of this so why why is this why does this exist in the first place yeah I'm not sure. Probably because people were like, not I don't want to say abusing, but basically like that it was too easy to just perpetually reclass your characters and level them up to crazy, you know, crazy high levels with every single possible skill because you could always reset. There's no cap to how strong the characters can get. So you can just be like, well, bring them back down, level them all the oh, way wait, back wait, up. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean they took they took away the good part? Uh, arguably yeah i was a little bit frustrated oh, with no. it because oh, now no. you now you can't just reset the character back to level one and then start a new class hierarchy with them right uh you're basically there you're just you're level 20 yeah so I, I was doing what i was doing in awakening so i was like bringing characters up to like level 16 or so and i was like crap i only have four levels left before i hit the level cap like i, I have to reclass now or else, like, if I use the character anymore, they're going to hit the cap, and then I can't get any new skills unless I promote them. Promoting still brings you to level one. But reclassing, at least with the heart seal, there's some other seals that they added that allow... You can, you can reclass to your partner's class if you get married. 
right? So that's like a kind of cool one because it gives you the ability to customize what class to give someone by deciding who they marry, as opposed to them just having the sort of three base classes to choose from in Awakening. So it's kind of cool that you can, you can, you know, if you're uh, an, a samurai and you marry an archer, you can reclass into archer. So you can get like classes that aren't provided to the character originally. But yeah, you, you have a level cap and you can't reclass back down to level one. So I think there is a finite number of times that you can reclass. I guess there was a finite number in Awakening too, but it was pretty like there was a lot of options because you, you had three base classes for every character, their original one and then the two options, right, that they could reclass yeah. into. And then each base class could promote into two other classes, not counting the fact that maybe some of them were overlaps, right? Like you could have a, yeah. someone could be a cavalier and a knight and then they both have great knight. And so it's like reduces the options, but uh, you ended up with like enough options that you would basically never exhaust them unless you were spending a ridiculous amount of time with the game, right? You would. And that's the reason why I spent a ridiculous amount of time <laughs> with the game. Cause I, I didn't exhaust them. I probably, I probably went through like two rounds of that with most characters where I like, you know, mm -hmm. I did two of the skill trees, but didn't reclass them into like, I only went through, I only went up that tree once. I didn't go back the other way and get the other promoted class, but it's possible to do that if you wanted to. Uh, Gale force on everything. No, it's like, that's, it's a waste <laughs> of time. You just create characters who aren't any fun to play with at that point. <laughs> Gale force is a skill in fire emblem. Me? For those of you who are so much familiar. fun at like the final boss. <laughs> Just everybody. <laughs> so I want to give context here because we're like again talking like inside baseball that only people who know Fire Emblem Fates probably care or Fire Emblem probably care about. But like Gale Force is this skill where you, if you kill, it's it's the it's the most overpowered skill. If you kill an enemy, you know, in Awakening, and you have you have Gale Force on the character, the character gets another turn. Like they can do another action that turn. So they could, if they're strong enough, which they probably are, if you got them Gale Force, because you get Gale Force at level 15 as a Dark Flyer, which is a promoted class from Pegasus Knight. So like, you, you're you going to be pretty strong by the time you get Gale Force. So oh, yeah. you're probably going to kill the first enemy, and you're probably going to kill the second enemy. And like, you just got to make sure that you didn't like leave your, leave your, uh, your Dark Knight, or Dark, uh, Dark Knight's a different class. Dark Knight <laughs> versus Superman, <laughs> Dawn of Justice. The, uh, no, your Dark Flyer. Like as long as you don't put him in the way of an archer, you're probably good. And then you just do it again, and it's completely overpowered. I had it on again, one or two yeah. characters, and they were. I had to stop using them because they were too good. I had it on like Cordelia or something, as a Dark Mage. Yeah, yeah. Like I actually like did. Uh, I had like a really unpleasant memories of Fire Emblem before Awakening trying to play the Game Boy Advance games. I really sucked at it. I didn't have, like, a single strategic bone in my body. So Gale yeah. Force, at least, like, that that <laughs> let me experience the, the thrill of combat and just utterly decimating the, yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 the crushing of bone and sinew. The clashing yes. of bone and sinew. Yeah. Uh, Only a fool trusts his life to anything else besides Gale Force. <laughs> <laughs> I give you the greatest handgun ever made. Gale Force. <laughs> Two moves more than enough to kill anything on the map. <laughs> I got nothing else. I can't think of any more. Uh, oh, man. Okay. 
Anyway, the one other thing <laughs> that is notable, though, that they, I think they tried to balance the fact that they removed some of the stuff from Awakening is that once you're above level 10, if you haven't already gotten the skills for that class, you get them in sequence every time you level up. So the example would be like in Awakening, let's say that you reclassed from an archer to a, a Myrm Myrmidon, whatever. I never know how to say that. Sword fighter guy, right? Uh, and the Myrmidons have like uh, uh, Avoid plus 10 and Vantage as their two skills. Yeah. So if you reclass at level 10, you'll stay at level 10. But like rather than in uh, in Awakening where you'd be at level one and you'd get you'd get Avoid plus one plus 10 at level one and then at level 10 or whatever. Right. You'd get Vantage. In this case, at level 11, you get Avoid plus 10. And at level 12, you get vantage. You just like you mm. rack them up as soon as possible within each level up. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not a terrible change. No, I mean, that that's good. That counteracts it. So you don't like you get the skills, yeah. but you don't get the levels, right? You don't get the the additional uh, stats from leveling up as you would from being able to have like the full 20 level yeah. build up. Uh, and the coolest one is actually when you go to a promoted class, if you if you reclass from one promoted class to another promoted class and that promoted class has a different base class you actually like for the first two level ups you'll get the base classes skills so if you reclass to a sword master you'll get avoid plus 10 and vantage in at level one and two and then at level five and 15 you'll still get the promoted classes skills mm. so that also like it they, I, I guess they tried to counteract it by being like well you don't need to be in the base class because you're getting the skills anyway, so don't worry about it. You're, again, just not getting the level ups. You also can't reclass from a promoted class to back down to a base class. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's the real problem. So if you're in the promoted yeah. class, you're stuck in promoted classes. You can't go back, I think, as far as I've gotten. Anyway, Fire Emblem is all about the weird math, not about the anime. It's about math. It's about cold, hard calculation of who is going to win in a fight. And getting the guy with Gale Force. and putting Gale Force on everything. I, I want to talk about Final Fantasy Thirteen because it's actually it's on in the background. So while we were like when the the call came in for the podcast, I was I I had just reached the part in Final Fantasy Thirteen when it stops being a thirty hour tutorial and actually opens up into a real JRPG without any corridors. No corridors. So I heard about much, the corridors. How much? How much do you know about Final Fantasy XIII? Because it's been six years wow. since it was released. Yeah, I, I, Think about I know that. about the corridors. I remember hearing about the corridors. Right? So I made a very... At, at this point, I'm thinking I made a very big mistake when I was in Book Off and bought all three of the Final Fantasy XIII trilogy games for under $40. Which, to me, like... Because I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I've been uh, like stuck in a box for several years and I'm coming back into this. I'm like looking at all these games like Final Fantasy 13, like this multi-million dollar experience that to my knowledge kind of uh, was one of the worst part, like worst times at Square Enix is now like $6 at Book Off. Wow, I got to try this out. <laughs> and then like I saw that they had the other games too and I'm like, well... 
Final Fantasy XIII 2, huh? They made another one of these, even though nobody really liked the first one. And then, wow, Lightning Returns, which my friend made the mistake of telling me that it's like Majora's Mask, but really messed up. Like, just design-wise, kind of a, a disaster, but still kind of like Majora's Mask. So my interest was... uh was it, my interest right now is trying to just get to lightning returns and see like if he was right <laughs> if or it's not. actually if anything like Majora's Mask. what was that if it's anything like majora's mask is what you're if trying to it's find anything out. like it right um so final fantasy 13 is the experience of trying to go on a soylent diet for like a month the experience of playing the game the experience of playing the game because it i don't this, get this it game what does that mean because this game is this boiled down gray goop of a Final Fantasy game. And, like, I'm going through it, and it's like it kind of, like, looks and feels and sounds like Final Fantasy. Uh, it's definitely haunted by the specter of Final Fantasy VII. Very hard. It tries so hard to be the Final Fantasy VII remake that people wanted six years ago when the PlayStation 3 was debuted and they had the whole tech demo of Final Fantasy VII rendered for PlayStation 3. Um, and you go on and you go on and nothing, absolutely nothing in this game matters. Like, for example, there's no geometry whatsoever in the game. It's just a straight line. And there's just these like little points of divergence and you might find an enemy, or you might find an item. And it's it's kind of insulting in the beginning. <laughs> but then eventually you get lost because these environments are huge. Like, you look out and there's just airships everywhere. And there's, like, firefights and, like, all these freedom fighters. And everything just feels so loud and important. But it's just a straight line. <laughs> That's all you're following. You're following just a straight line. And what's nice, what is nice, is that... Uh, there are no random encounters. You actually see the enemies and you can engage the enemies um, by like just ramming into them. Uh, but the mechanics for the combat is that there are no mechanics. The game really plays itself. The combat boils down into auto battle and the game programs itself according to like this initial attack when you find out, okay, the enemy is strong against lightning, but it's weak against fire. So after we cast a single lightning spell, we're just going to cast fire. And you just mash and mash and mash and mash on the auto battle button. And you're just waiting for these meters to charge up. And like 20 hours later, you realize that none of the mashing actually mattered. You could get through any of these battles with just like a few, just like a few button presses. But because you want something to happen, because the matches, the battles, they're like, there's so much going on, and it goes so fast, and you feel like you're not contributing enough, so you gotta mash on the button. <laughs> Final Fantasy Thirteen almost turns into, like, this amazing third-person action brawler. It's like Zelda, just like, it's like almost like Zelda on speed, what? with all, like, this, this Final Fantasy trappings, and... But nothing's happening. There's nothing important happening. Your equipment doesn't matter. Your stats don't matter because everything boils down into either attack or magic. And everything's just arbitrary. Speeds don't matter. Recharges don't matter. Um, <laughs> the summons don't matter. 
the story definitely doesn't matter because you're not going to care about anything of what they say. None of their dialogue matters. All these characters are so divorced from what's actually happening in the world around them. Like all of these these insane things are going on around them, and they're just throwing out all all this jargon, all these terms. Like like oh, we've been become the sea, and we're cursed by the foul sea, and and the Primarch that, he's gonna purge all of us into pulse. I don't know much about Final Fantasy, but that's what I know about Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's a bunch of characters spouting what, weird jargon. But. That's the thing, though. When they're not spouting weird jargon, they're all like they got like all like these just things that they just say completely removed from the situation where they're like, oh, we got to just keep fighting, guys. We'll figure it out. We just got to keep going. Uh, Oh, what's that? And it's just like it's like all like these empty comments that just pollute the game. That's just all it is. It's just it's just audiovisual pollution for 30 hours it's insane i don't know how they made this thing <laughs> how many millions of dollars how many armies of artists got poured into this game just for corridors you're kind of selling me on it like it sounds so insanely just like not even bad but just just unthinkable like <laughs> it is deeply unpleasant to play but it's absolutely fascinating to just watch you know like, because oh, you, you as a, as a, as a fellow artist, creator, man, person, you know, that's, you know yeah, how that's difficult what, that's what it, it is. That's what it says on my business card. Artist, creator, man, person. Yes. You know how difficult it is to just create an environment. Yeah. To create a texture, to make that texture light up in a certain way, to just kind of coordinate everything and just make sure that the lighting isn't too insane and that nothing really bogs down. The game is fast. It's snappy. It's beautiful it is such a catastrophic mess like everywhere like just i don't know how like just things are just bursting from the seams because for 30 hours i just i can't believe who designed this thing it's barely a game it's barely an interactive experience and i just i sink so many hours into it and i i don't hate myself for it but i feel like like i said like i'm on a so i'm on a soylent diet right now not not literally, it's just like metaphorically. Where <laughs> it's like I'm getting my Final Fantasy kick in the worst possible way. You're getting I'm a flavorless need a doctor at the end of this. You're getting a flavorless, like blended version of it that is not it's just it's right? just goop in the form of it's it's goop right? that I has knew. the nutrients of Final Fantasy, maybe, but like nothing else. Right. And you know, I got I I knew I was like just hooked by my liver to get like through this whole thing because uh you start in the world of cocoon um and cocoon is like allegedly like the good like people because there's an outer savage world called grand pulse and this is like the actual like final fantasy environments and like stuff that you know and so the whole incentive to continue on this like horrible experience is to get to Grand Pulse, which is allegedly like the open world segment where, you know, you just, I only seen it for like a few minutes, but it's absolutely gorgeous. You know, there's vast skies and just huge behemoths and dinosaurs, everything crawling around. And I'm like, oh my God, it's going to suck to fight any of these things. I'm going to be here like for like just five minutes jamming the X button to auto battle all of these things. Oh, that sucks. Um, wow. It's so much different. It sounds really different from the previous battles in which 
right? he sat there jamming the X button to auto battle. <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a different uh, disguise now. So maybe maybe it gets better. But what I when I knew I was really hooked into it, when I really knew that like this game was trying its most desperate to maybe metamorphosize into Final Fantasy VII the remake, was when I saw that signature Midgar green when I got into one of the pulse environments. It's like you're you're not out into ground pulse yet. You're in like this huge maze-like artifact that belonged to Pulse that for whatever reason was hidden inside of Cocoon. Now the story doesn't matter, but whatever. So I got to like thinking, like my mind just like got set on fire. I'm like, there's got to be a whole dungeon of design documents at Square Enix about like all the Final Fantasy games. And I was like, like I like got like really excited, like just like this fluttering feeling in my stomach, like, Oh my god, like what if this is like super distantly connected to Final Fantasy VII? Like like what if this like millions and millions of years and like this is all everything's just like renamed, but like and it's all like changed, but it's like actually just like a continuation of Final Fantasy VII. Oh my god, wouldn't that be like the neatest thing? I don't know yet. You know, maybe they just wanted to use that like green light from Midgar and just put it into Final Fantasy thirteen. Just to, you know, get me to like, you know, do like the whole like uh Pavlovian reaction. Well, this is like uh, this is like my somebody at work was once trying to tell me he was like, "There's a song in Zelda, and they use it in in a link to the past, but then it's also in Ocarina of Time. It's proof that they're in the same universe." And I was like, "I did the horrible nerd thing, right?" Yeah, <laughs> it's like I did that horrible nerd <laughs> thing where you yeah. try to like make like sense of of a, a timeline. Maybe <laughs> I was like, bra- I was breaking it to him. I was like, "Dude, it's." It's a cameo. It's just a reference to make you like recognize something you've seen in another game. It doesn't mean they exist in the same universe. It's the same thing as like the alien head shows up in Predator and people were like, they're in the same universe. No, you know who's in the same universe? The people who made Predator and people who like Alien. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, <sighs> that's uh man. You're almost selling me on it. Uh, it kind of just sounds like this glorious train wreck. <laughs> It, it is. Um, I don't know. There, there's definitely. That's the thing, though. This is an artist game. This was a game that was made by a team of artists without any inclination or hint of the necessity of actual level design. They probably don't have any level designers actually listed in the credits. I'm just assuming that this corridor is, designers. Honestly, though. Like, they have a lot of corridor, corridor. designers. Well, that's basically just like the environment, like whatever, like the just how much money had have been poured into this thing. And then they made two more of them, which is like, I'm like, I'm freaking out already. Like I got out of the 30 hour tutorial and I'm, there's two more games. I'm not even finished with this one yet. Like, I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't, I don't even know. Like, how was this possible? Anyway. We talked about games for a while, and I do have to. I think we gotta rein in in a little bit. We're we're a little over time, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I have I think, to like just like calm down, like just yeah. Usa, I'll calm you down. Usa, Usa's hand to mouth life. <laughs> we got. We should talk about anime. A little bit of anime. It'll it'll calm you down to know, David, that Erased, which we watched a little bit of when we were hanging out at Genericon, Erased is not bad. It's actually a good show. I finished it. 
And we can talk about it in more detail when you finish it, because you should finish it. It's actually like... Oh, God. You should watch Sword Art Online, then. Why should I watch Sword Art Online? Same director. But is it good? Exactly. It'll give you, it'll give you something to talk about. <laughs> Erased gives me something to talk about, and it's a good show. Uh, right. Erased is, like, not as good at the end as it is at the beginning, but it is still good. You know what I mean? It, st- it stays above water. It stays, stays pretty good. Uh, it The reveal of the villain is like a little bit hammy uh but for and and would be fine if it weren't in a show that is otherwise pretty kind of careful and mature about how it deals with stuff and then it gets a little bit hammy at the end but it's uh yeah it's it's more like a you know real tv show for adults than virtually any anime in the past couple years that wow all right I mean, it, it's it's I, what you saw of it. I think you probably got the same impression like that. That show does not feel like it's it's pandering to the adolescent interests of anime fans, which is what I usually just makes me get really tired of anime. Mm, well, you know, I'm all I'm just you don't really worry about anything that seems like it tries to be not necessarily serious, but maybe just take a stab at being worthwhile. You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of these things kind of crap out at the end. That's what I mean, though. Like, it doesn't crap out at the end. Like, we worried at the beginning of the show that it was going to be a new um, Perfect Insider, right? Which, like, seemed kind of good at the beginning and then turned out to be to pretty much just fall apart by the end. And and really, by the by, like, episode four, it was kind of falling apart. Yeah, you know, it's just it's flatlined after the. Yeah, uh... yeah. After like that cool bit, like episode what two, two or three, yeah, it was. and then yeah. it just stopped being interesting. But erased stays interesting throughout. My one issue, which we can probably talk about in more detail, please, please do watch it, David. Probably most of the listeners have already watched. Play it. Mother Three, then I will play Mother Three. I'm going to. But the the only issue I think is the show kind of like early on, it throws a lot of different threads at you and different like there's different timelines, there's different you know. Uh, relationships with characters that seem important right and you're trying to figure out who the killer is and at the end it kind of like reaches this resolution that somewhat tosses the other ones to the side and just kind of goes like well there was really only one thread that mattered though like there's only one thing you should have been caring about this entire show and it's sort of like weird because the rest of the stuff that seems really really important in the moment gets kind of washed away at the end it's like feels incomplete like there was there could have been more done to tie everything together better but still works like that one thread works and then all the other things like in the moment they they're interesting but at the end you're like oh they kind of went to a dead end so that this other thing could kind of travel through the middle and complete the series if that makes sense without spoiling anyway so watch sword art online i'm not gonna watch sword play art mother online. three there's so much good anime i could watch there's not really a reason to watch sword art online i've got mad max waiting for me i gotta watch mad max 2 i could be watching that instead of sword art online all right. I think it's time for learning experience. I think it's time for listener questions. We did get some questions on Facebook and a couple email questions. Let me start with the email question. I got to actually pull them up. Christian Hunt, who I believe. Oh, yeah. Christian Hunt is the one who won the uh, the contest. Hey. uh, Yeah. Kizu contest. So he, I think it's a he, asks, uh, I was listening to your last Danny Gamers podcast, and you mentioned that you read Mysterious Girlfriend X as it aired. I guess he means uh, as it was published. Can you reassure me and make me feel like less of a weirdo for finding the relationship and aspects of that manga super adorable? Because even though I found it cute and all that kawaii shit, DJ all that kawaii shit, 
spinning yeah. tonight. Drop, drop that of anime. Uh, I, I still wouldn't shove someone's drool in my mouth with no hesitation. I could be convinced, though. Semicolon close parentheses. That's a winky face in case you aren't familiar yep. with internet uh, slang. So I don't know, I know why you I would feel like Mysterious I Girlfriend I know you X. feel like uncomfortable about stuff, Evan. Yeah. There's virtually all the time. There's no time in which I feel comfortable about anything. Uh, no, Mysterious Girlfriend X makes me pretty uncomfortable because of the weird spit <laughs> stuff. Uh, this is a series in which the romance is kind of negotiated by by transferring spit back and forth as a metaphor, a very obvious on the nose, or shall we say on the mouth metaphor for uh, for kissing and for intimacy. Uh and I actually found that to be the thing that made it interesting is like the the saliva thing is really weird and really uncomfortable to watch, though. It's also the manga is probably easier than the anime where you have to watch it be animated and it's like super, you know, goopy, weird stuff. Uh, also, it's not animated like or like I've seen some of the show. It's not animated like spit. Like it's it oh. doesn't really look the way the way <laughs> saliva looks, which makes it extra weird. But uh, the the fact that it is supposed to be uncomfortable and that it's very clearly using that as a way to examine intimacy without directly talking about intimacy is what I found to be really interesting about it, actually. And I, I was surprised at how I mean, it's not the smartest thing ever, but for what it is, for being like an anime romantic comedy, it kind of says some stuff about being in a relationship and being a young person and, and just like figuring out negotiating the um, you know, just the, the space between people in a relationship. Uh, and I think it's got these moments of, of brilliance. I think that are, that are really charming and interesting uh, surrounded by some stuff. That's not as interesting. <laughs> like it's got a lot of, of course. yeah. I mean it, it does a lot of focusing on just the kind of adolescent, perversion of the main character and he's like he's pretty innocent but he has the you know he has thoughts about his, this girlfriend sometimes that are like obviously like not I'm, I'm not i'm not saying the series is not saying that any of those are like exactly inappropriate for him to have but it's like, like it's i kind of appreciate they're like showing him just having like being perverted thinking about his girlfriend or something right uh but the issue is it's very one-sided like you mostly see his perspective and it starts to feel a little bit exploitative sometimes of just sort of like taking this essentially Ray Ayanami character and just like having him imagine her in different costumes and stuff. Right. But the interesting stuff is there are occasional chapters where Udabe his his girlfriend. Uh, it's just her talking to like a friend of hers and you see her side of it. And, and she talks about like what she finds cute about him or something. Right. And it's like anime doesn't, doesn't actually tend to show relationships very often right like they tend to show uh relationships that are not yet formed right characters that that are yearning after each other but haven't actually done anything and so i do appreciate that the series is uh it, it actually tries to comment on a relationship that is there and is 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 developing but has already formed i don't know if you've read or seen any of it i know ink likes it a lot Ink, yeah, I was the, about uh, to say that's like mainly. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that it's like it's Ink's thing. I just know he like wrote a whole bunch about it. Maybe because he, I don't know, just found it interesting for whatever reasons he found it interesting for. I think I, think, I, I think say, he like, likes the imagery. Like I, I think he appreciates the 
because you know whatever i mean ink ink is a, a poet and stuff and i think he like he tends to appreciate uh metaphors and, and imagery and stuff and i think that's like probably the really interesting part of that like what i wanted to say is like around that time i think flowers of evil was getting really hot so that was like that's my shit right if we're gonna go for uncomfortable yeah yeah, yeah. you know like judging distances between people in uh really uh unique relationships and i like flowers of evil too i like both of them yeah but uh the other thing is the manga art for mysterious girlfriend x is really pretty the line art is has a very nice kind of a uh, texture to it i guess is the best way to describe it the there's a it's it's not super clean i guess the the line art i think the line art kind of like uh, if i'm remembering correctly it's a little bit sketchy sometimes which i, I like quite a lot actually it has a lot of texture to it uh so that's it for christian's question isaac valdez asks did you guys enjoy the animatrix and did it succeed at spreading the medium of anime to new fans did you like the animatrix I wish seen i wish i'd seen the animatrix the animatrix i liked but i watched it years ago i barely remember it I can't I wish really I, speak to I it. I wish I could even like remember the Matrix proper. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Matrix though. Like you don't want to remember the other ones. Except for the No no no, because like my whole thing is fight. like my whole thing is like multi million disasters and just observing mm-hmm. like kind of kind of like that whole like perverse like uh just like the guy that watches youtube videos of like tsunamis and stuff but for uh <laughs> di- like entertainment per- like for uh like movies and games and stuff um so i guess the sequels will fall firmly into that sort of uh disaster sort of territory uh but the animatrix i never watched it yeah i maybe i shouldn't have even asked this question because now that i think about it I don't remember anything from it. I've seen some clips since that vaguely remind me of things that I saw like back in high school or something when it came out, but I don't really remember the specific shorts in it all that well. Uh, I remember I liked it though. I think the one weird thing about it in general is just that it's, it's that weird kind of early two thousands anime is cool with a capital C, you know, like that period when Hollywood and, and you know, people in american media were getting really interested in in anime as yeah. this like cool hot japan thing. almost seemed tangible right right so it, it very much has i think that especially like i've i've watched a trailer for it recently because i use it in a panel uh where i talk about anime history so like oh the God, trailer it's got, like the worst voiceover on it yeah all, all the marketing for it is super um super like that like cool kind of cool japan but from the west perspective we have another question in here, but I think I'm going to save that for uh, for next week. We've got to build up a little bit of a bank of questions, you know. But send some more, please, guys. Uh, and actually, that's email questions. I uh, I'm going to open up Twitter. Got a couple from at sign cow suicide. I he had a question about mysterious girlfriend X. Kind of already answered that, but thank you for the question. Will there be VR anime? Asks cow suicide. Watch Sword Art Online. We can't answer the question for sure. But the answer is yes. So it depends on what your definition of VR anime is, because we can definitely already sit in virtual reality rooms and play back video on our virtual reality televisions. So that would probably include anime. So you can basically sit in a fake space to watch anime. Yeah, I don't think that's what they're asking about, (laughs) but sure. I think the the question is, yeah, probably more about, and nobody really knows how this would work out, but it would be you're in a virtual world that is anime style and you are 
observing it as if you were there in some way, though there's inherently an element of interaction to that. And so by my definition, that's a game. That's like when we say mm. video game and we mean a broad sense of interactive storytelling, you're playing a game at that point. You're playing a game with anime style stuff in it, which is sort of the way that the, you know, the anime and the game industries have moved in general in the past two decades or so, right, of anime becoming anime storytelling styles and character design styles becoming a pretty integ integral part of games where you have things like Fire Emblem and Final Fantasy and stuff that are like they're anime in a certain sense, right? So I think that's probably where you're headed is that they won't be labeled as anime. They'll be labeled as games. And even just like uh, dating sims is the best possible example, right? Like a virtual reality dating sim would be the closest approximation to a VR harem anime, but it's a game. It's not a, it's not an anime. Well, maybe, maybe something more like, uh, like the Hatsune Miku concerts, but I don't even know how that would work out. Like make a, to devise a television show on that sort of technology in which people enter a space and then their projections of these characters, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Maybe like you sit in a room and then there's just all these projections of characters and environments and do they interact at all with the audience? Do they not? Can you just clip right through right. them and then they don't even react at all? It's. I mean, there, depends. There, it, it, it could be a... You could have something that's like a static uh, series of actions occurring in front of you, characters doing things, right? And you just kind of, you can walk around and see it from any angle, which again, to me, feels a little bit like a game, even if the only method of interaction is in moving the camera, essentially, because it has a lot of the same considerations as a game where the player can kind of modify the parameters. And so you're not making a story that's like clearly framed in a certain way, but there's not a yeah. whole lot which they could work. Like something that could work is maybe like an escape room sort of story. Yeah. Where you just stand in this room and you observe all these characters kind of trying to figure out how to get out of the room. And then maybe you pick up on certain things only because you were standing at the right spot. And then you maybe stuff like that. Yeah. I think, though, if we're going to be really cynical and realistic, anime VR is going to start with porn. If it hasn't already, it already has. started with porn. It, no, 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 no. Yeah. It already has because I actually had an answer for didn't I? Actually, wait, this is Isaac Valdez, right? No, this is Cal yeah. Suicide. No, but I think I told, <laughs> I think he asked me the same question and I told him, you know what? I've seen a YouTube video of a guy banging Miku in VR with, uh, with one of like those like fake vibrating vagina things. And oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's happened. It's real. Yeah. So, I mean. Porn will pave the way. That's all I'm saying. We'll know yeah, where we're it, headed once yeah. porn's really figured out the direction for us. Yeah, as is true with most technologies. Basically the final frontier. Yeah. Well, I think that's it for questions. So thank you guys for listening to the Annie Gamers podcast. We apologize for this podcast's existence. Uh, I don't know. I really shouldn't apologize. Profusely. This is kind of a good episode. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of, a, kind of an all right episode, so I really shouldn't be apologizing for much. It was a little long, though. I mean, maybe maybe you want it long. Who knows? So if you'd like to send us an email to tell us about whether you want long or short episodes or to ask us questions like those great questions we got from our listeners this episode, send us an email at podcast at com. We will do our best to answer them because we don't get that many of them. So it's not too hard to dig through the inbox. 
I, mean, I don't tweet any because Evan doesn't forward the questions. Oh, to I me. need to forward them. I always forget to forward them to David. So you can tweet at us. I am at sign vampedvo, V A M P T V O, and Annie Gamers is at sign Annie Gamers, A N I Gamers, one word, no, no uh, underscores or hyphens or anything. And you are QX20XX, at sign QX20XX on Twitter. My that's brain Sam. is only as strong as you make it, listeners. That's right. Uh, David needs your your power to form the spirit bomb so that he can look like Goku and fly like Piccolo. Uh, oh, yeah. You can find us on anigamers.com slash podcast where we post all the episodes and show notes and all the info that you need. We posted a bunch of pictures last episode of uh, David and, and Umaru-chan hoodie and other <laughs> pictures from Genericon that were relevant for what we were oh, talking about. God, wait until I talk about Umaru-chan next episode. That's right. You better wear the hoodie. We do a video uh, with David and I talk in a video chat to to make the conversation slightly less awkward, but that'll make it more awkward by seeing him in an Umaru-chan hoodie while he's talking. You can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe to us and leave us a review. Please leave us reviews. We got a really nice one where someone said, good times, stoner magic. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I guess we're a good podcast for stoners. Please tell your stoner oh. friends about Anagamers uh, to that check us night. out when they're high. Send us questions when they're high. Please send us questions oh, when you're God, high. Please do. Yes. I will read those questions. <laughs> You can find more stuff from us on AnnieGamers.com where we are writing about anime, manga, and video games. I have been writing about only yesterday. I was going to talk about it on this podcast, but instead you can go read about it on AnnieGamers. I wrote a spoilery article and I'm going to be publishing a review of the film soon. Also, please go watch Only Yesterday in theaters. It is playing in select theaters around the United States. It's awesome. I'm writing for Otaku USA Magazine as well, which... uh, uh, I'm writing an article right now about only yesterday and a couple other manga reviews. So you should be able to check those out when that is out in about two months from now. There's also other issues where I don't remember what I wrote about, but you usually can find me in Otaku USA. And I am one of the hosts of the Crunchycast, the official Crunchyroll podcast co-hosted by Victoria Holden, who is going to be like out of town for a bunch of weeks. So I'm going to be hosting that show with some other guest hosts probably for the next couple of weeks, but please tune in there. You can also ask me questions on there and bug me about stuff on the Crunchycast. Two different podcasts with the same Evan, the same crappy Evan, talking <laughs> on both of them. Selling himself short. That's how you do it. And then they then they like you more or something. I don't know. Or maybe they just hate you anyway. Yeah. That's how the internet works. Nothing can stop nothing can stem the tide of the hate. And with that, thank you guys for listening. We will see you next episode on the Anti-Gamers Podcast. Peace out. Peace versus out. Dawn of Justice. <laughs> ah, fuck you, Evan. Evan's trying to catch a fly. <laughs> it's in my face while I'm talking. Wait for Evan to catch the fly first. Did I'll catch deal it? with it. I did not catch it. It'll take me a while to catch the fly, so you need to you need to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, just the whole thing has just been toppled over by a fly. The fly was back. So, uh, the fly returns. Evan versus fly, Dawn of Justice.